0: going towards are the former pro athletes who are now entrepreneurs and trying to bridge that gap and use the same skills, techniques, and and values that they used in sports, and they're struggling to get that transfer over, Or or those entrepreneurs who are still
1: all right welcome in to vision pros live with jackson callum i'm your show host we will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there i just want to go through some of the things that might help you with your visions. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder of First Class Business, co-founder of Able Health, one of our sponsors, Uh, great friends with Rick Meekins of Epiphany, who's also a sponsor for us. And I hope that you dedicate some attention, some time or some monetary donation value to the Water Project. They're up to great things for people in the world who really need it. Um, I'm excited to have one of my good friends, I would consider him, Coach Reed on today, Coach Reed Maltby. I met him at the Kajabi event. Now this goes back to the power of that particular event and the power of that software. We use Kajabi at first-class business in order to build out our courses. Um, We also, in addition to our courses, have what we call our activities and our activities is our onboarding process for our clients who are looking to scale sustainable revenue growth for their brands. And so they go in, they do the activity with our team members. And then in addition to doing the activity with them, they're learning as they go But they're also accomplishing things that are necessary to build the bridges that allow prospects to cross the path of meeting them for the first time and deciding they want to commit to working with them on uh, whatever it is that our our entrepreneurs do. Um, So with that said, I went to the Kajabi event, not knowing a whole lot about that environment. And I found myself with a whole bunch of people who were like me, they're they're heart driven, service oriented individuals looking to make global impact um, and scale and, and help people in big ways and here coach reed and i come sit at the same exact table just randomly um you know put our backpacks next to each other and we became really really great friends he's somebody who i admire because of his uh many many years three decades of professional coaching he's a ted speaker as well best-selling author has some really cool physical collateral that he hands out um, as well at events but really it came down to the dedication he has to his word choices and the authenticity and how he shows up and cares about those that he serves. So without further ado, Coach Reed, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, let's dive into some of the changes going on in your brand and what you're up to.
0: Uh, excited to be here to talk, talk with you. Reconnect. We had such a great time at Kajabi Hero Live. And I agree with you. It's just being an introvert, typically by nature, to go to <laughs> an event like that and make such great friends in a short period of time tells you about the power of, of Kajabi and the relationships that they build with people.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. So
0: I'm really excited to, to chat today.
1: Absolutely. So tell us about um, as into raising excellence. Let's hear about it from the angle of uh, what it is and who should be listening today. Um, you know, why, why should they be listening to you? And what are we going to get out of today's conversation? Do you think?
0: Well, so what it is, is I, it was a 30 year journey, like you mentioned, uh, almost 35 years now that I've been working in youth sports or in sports, working with athletes. And my area of expertise became helping develop those high performance environments. So helping athletes achieve high performance through working with coaches based on how they were developing those learning environments for their athletes, how they were communicating with those athletes. And then what type of mental skills we were instilling in those athletes so that they could perform at peak and not have those choke points. And as you said, word choice became a big thing with me. Every word mattered. And so I really started to look at how words affect the brain, how they change performance patterns, and then how we as coaches and leaders can become more transformational based on the way that we communicate with our athletes. Over the years, what happened is a lot of those athletes have grown up and moved on, and they're now coming back to me and talking to me, but they're now in business. They're now running their own lives. They're now, they now have their own families, and they're becoming coaches themselves. And so my recent book, Spartan Mindset, focused on the language that we use in performance environments, not just in sport. And because of that, I'm starting to see that it's resonating with a lot of entrepreneurs because I mean, how many of us played sports when we were young and right when I did my TEDx room and I said, you know, raise your hand if you played youth sports and every hand in the place went up. And I said, raise your hand if you played pro sports. And Anthony Munoz was the only person in the room. So I knew he'd raise his hand. He was the only person. So in that room of a couple thousand people, there was only one pro athlete, but the rest of us had had some kind of sports experience. And a lot of us wish that we had that that old Ted Lasso ball coach beside us in our business. And we wish that we could use those values and skills and methodologies that we used in sport in our daily business life. And so that's where my brand has taken a shift is still raising excellence, but I work with what I call high-performance high athletes, which are those entrepreneurial athletes who sort of straddle that line between still wanting to be very competitive athletes, but also highly competitive entrepreneurs. And, and I, I was just on a plane with a guy talking with him the other day and he said, that's me. I, you know, I, I'm still very competitive. I compete in CrossFit. I do all these other things. And yet I feel like I'm a lost soul when I get into the entrepreneurial realm. And so I'm helping them bridge that gap and either transfer the skills that they used in youth sports or in sports over into entrepreneurship, or, or at least allow them to leverage some of those, those skills so that they can be just as successful as they were in business as, as they were in sports and I was a Ted Lasso. I was that positive, goofy, yeah. dad joke kind of coach. <laughs> so it, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but a lot of entrepreneurs, when I stand beside them, they love having that kind of person who challenges them, but challenges them in such a
1: positive way. I love that. I love what Dwayne Johnson said about that. He said, some people don't like me. Uh, that Some people don't have good taste. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got the people who have good taste out there. They'll gravitate towards you, my friend. Uh, exactly. So with, with that, you, you said... Athletes. is this a play on words for entrepreneur athlete?
0: It is, and and I, I it's funny. I I started using the term, started throwing it around. I was talking with my IP lawyer, and he says TM that right away. Just you know, put a TM behind <laughs> it, says, or put yeah, because he says you know you down the road you'll wanna you'll wanna trademark that. And then I started searching, and I realized that the esports industry had used that term as well because of you know electronic sports. And they're part of my clientele. So I, I still, I didn't change it because I'm like, I'm still embracing you because yeah. I see athletes as five different types of people. Like I said, it's those, 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 those pro athletes, right? So there's pro the okay. athlete, so athlete so version. Yeah, that that turned entrepreneur. There's the entrepreneurial athletes, those entrepreneurs who are still very athletic and compete in amateur events on a regular basis, the weekend warrior type mentalities. And they're highly competitive in both business and in sport. Then there's those sport business entrepreneurs who, who make money off the $17 billion industry of sports, youth sports, and make a good living doing it, but use a lot of the characteristics of sports. There's those influencers who leverage their, like my son, who is a bodybuilder and wants to get into that realm. They leverage their, their, um, their influence over their market and collaboration with brands to make money and drive the market. And then there's those, there's the rest of them, which is that those people that just are fanpreneurs, they absolutely love sports and they want their business life to be more like it. They want to be treated like athletes and athletes fall in that realm in the sport business realm.
1: I love that. There must be a subsector. That's a $17 billion. Um, because, and I mean that, every NBA team almost is now valued at over $1 billion each. That's $30 billion alone. alone. Um, so there's, it's, I think it's a multi-trillion dollar industry at this point. Um, the, the sports yeah, industry if you fold gone, in a pro, you're right. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really broadened. But um, So do you know what subsector you were referring to with the $17 billion where the article or...
0: If yeah. And it's still goals? growing. Last I saw it was 17. It's probably gone up. It's the youth sports realm. So it's that age yeah, it. to, you know, low twenties age range there. It's like, they consider it. And it's, yeah. it's, a, and that's the thing is that's why I was so passionate about working with athletes is because everybody else was treating it like a business. They were treating these kids like numbers and it right. was, there was so much churn. And I, my thought was we're failing Not only those kids, but our future generations are failing the world if we don't teach them the life skills and the values and the abilities to succeed beyond the game. And so we can either treat them like a number, like a bottom line number, or we can treat them like human beings that have an opportunity to raise excellence. And if we do that, when they go on and they were highly successful in whatever it is they do, they took what we taught them. And so that was my big push was to not focus on the one or two really great athletes, but your entire team yeah. and not treat them like athletes, but human beings who you have an opportunity to help them develop with their excellence is raise it and chase it every day.
1: I love that. I had the opportunity to sit between two new England Patriot coaches on a flight once. Um, they were not happy about that. They were, they were really crowding the seat, you know, trying to make sure nobody got in. It. it was the only one left and I magically got to sit next to them. Um, and so, I was asking them about sports. Um, and and my kiddos, I've got three at the time. I had three kids, have three kids. I want to be the best possible, um, you know, dad to them that I can. What, what's your greatest advice for me? Um, I mean, I was, as a parent coach, um, in the process and they said, keep your kids out of Pop Warner. (laughs) And I was like, huh? And I I had an idea of what they were saying, but I, and I said, uh, what do you mean by that? You know, what, what is it about it? They said they ruin the fun of the game. And, and he said, and keep them out of Texas football programs. Um, that was the next thing. That was harsh. You know, I'm Texan. They were Texans, like li- living in Marble Falls area. Um, and so, um, you know, and that's when they said it's they're they're destroying the fun. Um, the kids get burnt out. They get injured. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to pursue the game after they go through, you know, the, the office version of it, you know, where you're just treating it like a nine to five. Um, and, you know, get them into specialty camps, um, I said, you know, get them into things that are fun and help them develop a love for the game. Um, and so it wasn't really calling out Pop Warner or calling out all Texas football coaches as much as saying we need to make sure that the kids are enjoying this process. Um, you know, you can have fun and learn about this, too. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, So true. So there's research that's actually out there about that, that was done. They interviewed thousands of youth athletes and they asked them, what is the biggest reason they play sports? What are the reasons they play sports and what are the reasons they quit? And the number one reason why kids play youth sports is to have fun. And inversely or conversely, however you want to put it, the number one reason they quit youth sports is because they're no longer having fun. That is the one that is the biggest driver. And, and those coaches are dead on. They're, they're, they're right. When, when you look at the fact that an industry that's serving our youth is a 17 billion or more industry and involved in that are the equipment manufacturers and everything else. And that everybody's goal is winning and everybody's goal is making money. Then what gets lost in a shuffle is the joy of the experience. And what we had as kids. We. We were those kids who, you know, the door was locked on, jokingly, the door was locked on Saturday afternoon and parents said, don't come home till the streetlights come on. Mm-hmm. And we found, that we we made up our own games. We played every game under the sun possible yes. and then we would morph them into just to play. And we, there was so much joy in that experience. And all of a sudden we we're in this industry where our kids are over scheduled and they're, they're over specialized and, you know, we've got kids going to national championships at six years old and ranking and being recruited in eighth grade and things like that. And it's like, wait, 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 you know, Matt Turner, who plays on our world cup men's world cup team. He, I I believe he didn't even play until like soccer until like halfway through his high school career or something. I mean, Mm. this is a guy that played every other sport and enjoyed every other sport. And yet we're like, just over, just over specializing our kids. And it's because we're all, there's this fear of missing out. Oh, everybody else is being trained by experts and my kids playing, you know, year round and playing for two teams and playing travel. Also their kid is, so I must put my kid in that when you travel 500 miles and spend thousands of dollars to take your kids to a tournament, to then play a team that lives right down the road from you that you could have stayed at home to play. We've we, we're it's, it's about the wrong things. It's no longer about the experience for the kids. It's about the money and it's about this mm-hmm. fake um, over, over, uh, sensationalized belief that we're creating pro athletes at six, seven, eight years old when we're not.
1: Right. Especially. Or that if we don't do those things as parents we're bad parents, um, right. That's the flip side of it. Even if you're not in it for the money, if you're being pressured by society to do this and you're, you're falling into that pressure, you're allowing yourself to become a victim of that experience. Um, I was just talking to somebody who said that their, their son, um, was, uh, had an opportunity not their son. A friend of them. I don't want to reveal who this is, but um, the kid had the opportunity to be on a full ride scholarship um, at a particular university, and the parents were super bummed because he skipped it. Um, and why did he skip it? He decided not to go to his signing day um, because he fell in love with a girl. Uh, you know, and that's not necessarily the best alternative when you're that young. But at the same time, like, there's obviously a clear disconnect, um, you know, in what the kid wanted and what the parents wanted. Um, and as a parent, if you've invested in all that, you've made your purpose, all of that. Well, um, but you've lost sight of what the child yeah. wanted. Well, sure. Like, sorry, but you know, there's some responsibility on the parent side in the equation, um, of, uh, of recognizing what does this kid actually want?
0: Yeah. And so that's really, that. so. here's what I want
1: to shift gears to though, for yeah. you. Um, what is your vision in 15 seconds? What does that look like? My vision's always
0: been that I develop leaders who transform lives. My belief is now looking at entrepreneurs that there are people out there who have not fully realized their potential and they know that they're put here to do something. They know they're put here for their excellence and they're making that transition in entrepreneurship or they're making that transition in the business world. And they want, it's not just about making money. They want to leave a legacy. They want their name to be on people's minds and on people's lips years and years after they're gone because they left such an impact on the world. And I want to be there to be that coach that serves them and gets them to that point where they create that impact. So it's still leaders who transform lives.
1: That's awesome. And so in 30 seconds, what's your vision for those of you, sir? What's your vision for these leaders?
0: Most of them were highly successful in sports or in some other performance activity. And now that they're in entrepreneurship, there's this huge, I felt it myself, there's this huge disconnect. And so what I want to be there to serve is to show them how to translate the skills and abilities that they had in sport, transfer them over to the business world, and then develop that transformational experience so that they can succeed in business as well as they did in other performance arenas. And in the process, create new generations of opportunities for other people.
1: You bring up a great point. Um, you talked about the difference that exists in those two realms. Um, you know, with sports, team sports, you have an audience, um, you know, y- you have fans, you get to go out on fields, you get to compete head to head with people. In entrepreneurship, there's no audience um, to start, you know, there's yeah. there's people. And if you do have an audience, they are like, who are you now? What are you doing? You know, we've always known you as that football player, or we've always known you as this, that, or the other, uh, you have to convince people to become your fans, so to speak, or walk the walk long enough, um, in order to show people that you're, you're truly at this. So, um, you know, what, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the secrets that you would say help people overcome that, that transition of, wow, the lights were on me, camera action, we're going out there and winning and competing with everybody to, oh, hello, this is kind of a lonely journey
0: couple things. One, it's just like that scene from Hoosiers where the team goes to the gym and they measure the baskets and the courts show that it's the same court they played on. It just feels bigger. It's getting people to understand that there's no, there's no difference in the environments. I've seen so many entrepreneurs that I've worked with who were phenomenal athletes and phenomenal performers. And you put them in front of a stadium of, I I know one that would play pro football, put them in front of a stadium of 50,000 people and perform at peak walk into a boardroom with 10 people and absolutely melt into a pile in the corner because that, that particular athlete did not. And I was like, it's the same, it's the same environment. It's the same stressors, the same anxiety. It's the same preparation. It's the same. There are so many from a mental perspective, the performance is the same. It's getting you to understand that that boardroom is no different from the stadium. You're going to show up, you've prepared, you've practiced, you've trained, you're going to show up, you bring the skills to the table and you perform at peak. Just like you always did, you're just in a different realm. The other one is, is that comparison is the thief of joy. A lot of athletes turned entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial athletes will say, man, I crushed it this weekend, blah, blah, blah. But when I look at so-and-so's business or when I look at how so-and-so's doing things, I can't do it. Well, as Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. You're comparing yourself to other people and their journey's different and how they do business is different and how certain entrepreneurs do things is very different than how you will. You know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and some of these other entrepreneurs out there, they're going to do things very differently than maybe an athlete entrepreneur will do things. And so what you have to understand is stop comparing yourself to them. Start looking at the person in the mirror. The only person that you're competing with is the person in the mirror and who you were yesterday. And so how you competed in sports is how you can show up in business. But if you're always looking at somebody else and saying, I'm not like them and they didn't compete like you did, then you're following the wrong model. How did you compete in sports? Surround yourself with people who get what you're doing, understand who you are, because they'll help bring that best out of you. They won't try to change into somebody else. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to your own journey, where you were in your sports realm, to where you are now. Those same skills can transfer if you have the same mental mindset that you did.
1: Such a healthy habit to learn. Um, one that I had to learn way late in life. Um, I think I was 30 by the time I finally started to make that transition. Um, and I remember one of the moments I was uh, on a track and I was getting to my last lap and I was about to like shut down and run slower because I was in the last lap. Nobody's there watching, you know, whatever. And that's that moment of integrity that hits you in the head and like, oh my gosh, like, this is the moment that LeBron James, that's who came to mind was this is when he turns it up and make sure he beats his best self, Um, you know? And so I booked it, man. I booked it all the way through the finish line, booked another 30 yards extra just to do it. And I was, it was the first time in my life where I was like, that's what it feels like to be LeBron James. Yeah. Like that, that's, and it is a comparison, so to speak. But there's that, there's a very unhealthy comparison of, you know, hey, I have to be as good as that person over there. You know, I have to get the same results as that person over there. I have to be better than them. It wasn't about that. It was about recognizing that, okay, it's like comparing layups, right? Of course, I'm going to follow and model somebody who's good at making layups for the sake of modeling that, but not with the intention of making myself into them. So both, both correspond, right? I think there's a correspondence on both, but I still have to, if I'm going to do myself a disservice from what I heard you say, if I don't focus on being my best self, on showing up for me and looking at myself yesterday and saying, you know what? I was good enough then as a human being, um, right? And I can be better today and, and I need to be willing to accept that if I was better today than I was yesterday, that's where happiness is, but I have to accept it in order to feel it. Is that correct? Yeah.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. and, and okay.
1: Thank you for letting me process that. I was like, no, I want to make this, I try to get me. this concept because I don't want to, I don't want the thief to steal my joy.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you will, what you'll do is you'll find benchmarks, right? You'll find standards and benchmarks and that's okay. LeBron James was a standard for you. It was a benchmark. Steph nice. Curry for me, you know, he'll swish yeah. 10 free throws before he leaves the court at the end of, not make swish because that's how much into the process he is, how embedded he is. So it's the same thing. But as an entrepreneur, I'm going to be like, ah, eh, you know what? I did enough on this and I think I'll be okay. And I maybe, maybe we'll get the funding tomorrow when I meet with the board. So I'll knock off now really, is it where you need it to be? Have you switched those 10 free throws yet? Have you put in all the preparation you need to be? Because you wouldn't do that as an athlete. You'd prepare, like you said, you'd run through the line and finish the run, but in business, you're going to not because, or you're going to follow like you Like you were saying, you're going to follow somebody else's path. I, I My nephew is in business and he was an athlete as well. He's a, he's a rugby player, actually. He plays on the Orlando National Touch rugby, football, uh, touch rugby team, and he and I were talking the other day, and it's like people want to, like you said, people want to box you in. Oh, you're an athlete, so you must be good at sales, or they don't think that athletes have the entrepreneurial brains, or that they actually have the ability to be entrepreneurs. Like you get you, you get boxed in as a dumb jock, or you get boxed in right. as well. You know, you're so out- outgoing and so aggressive that you would make a great salesperson. And he's like, I'm an ops guy. I'm so good at the operations. Like that's where I want to be is when I'm on the field, I'm the one that's seeing the plays develop and having the vision and know where to go next. That's the Wayne Gretzky going where the ball will be. So I can score more tries type of mentality. And he's like, so I'm the one directing traffic. So that's what I want to do in business. I don't want to be the salesperson. I want to be the one directing traffic. I'm the back office ops guy. And yet, As an athlete, a lot of times you get boxed out of those positions because everybody's always already decided that you're, you're this and not that because you were an athlete. And so it's getting the transfer all those skills over.
1: And again, it's, it's learning to like, you're alluding to putting the earplugs in when you're getting advice from the wrong people. Um, you know, my mom's a great mom. She can guide me as a mom, um, perhaps on spirituality too, um, you know, to to some degree, but, uh, she's not my business coach. Um, you know, like then therefore the opinions don't need to be there. Um, you know, they're not as valid as somebody who may be more aligned with what my business is, like a business coach, right? But my business coach may not know anything about marketing. And so yeah. his opinion on marketing is invalid, right? You have to learn to, to turn off certain uh, frequencies, certain people. You also talked about something that reminded me of the principles of hard work and sacrifice, right? Making those free throws um, a big deal, you know, making sure that you not only just make the free throws, but you make the swishes. Uh, hard work and sacrifice. Are they good or bad?
0: I, I think the grind hustle mentality is bad because it, yeah. it sets us up for burnout and tremendous failure, you know, emotional failure, because some people, you, know, you look at Tim Ferriss, the concept of some people can get done in four hours and a week and have a great life and do well. And others may have to put in a little bit more time. And so hard work and sacrifice are good. Any great, any athlete will tell you, you've got to put in the time, but it's got to be quality time. Being at the office for 15 hours in a day, but not getting quality work, in, I'd rather be at the office for four and crank out quality work. From a sacrifice perspective, again, there are times that athletes do put it all on the line, and there are other times that athletes say it's not worth it today. I'm going to pull out of this now because I'm going to get hurt doing this. I was watching the documentary on the Tour de France, um, Tour de France Unchained, from mm-hmm. and it was the 2021 or 2022 Tour de France, and they there were athletes who. One, one person pulled out and his team was so upset because they hung all their hopes on him and a lot of money on him. And he said, I'm not there this year. I'm physically not there this year. And I'm going to hurt myself if I continue with this particular race, he chose not to sacrifice his future welfare in that moment. sure. Teammates were upset, but that means he can race another day and not just physically, but emotionally, had he continued with that race, would he have burned out so emotionally that he would have never returned to the game? So again, in entrepreneurship, there are those moments where sacrifice is worth it. And then there's other times you have to step back and say, there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger game. There's a longer season. We're not playing a finite game here. It's like Simon Sinek says, it's an infinite game. So we've got to think about the legacy and impact that we want to have beyond today, beyond tomorrow, beyond even the next couple of years. So if we're going to sacrifice, it's got to be for the greater good, the bigger game.
1: Wow. Great, great reference to Simon. Um, you know, start with why, if you haven't read that book, we highly recommend it. I'm sure. <laughs> Reed does, Coach Reed does as well. Um, so to that concept though, the, the game aspect, right. I'm a fourth quarter guy. I love the fourth, fourth quarter. I love the last few minutes of the game. I got to live for that. Um, and at the same time, you can't live in that every moment of the day. Um, we all have different thresholds on it, but you have to think about business as being more like a season, um, right where where you win some you lose some you rest some you sit your starters out on certain games too um, there's there's lots of balance that has to be had in order to uh, not not grind right to the point where you're you're hurting yourself um you know you may have to grind in the fourth quarter right for those last two minutes you may have to but to sustain a grind unless you're living in a position where you, Don't have a good environment um you know that's that's if your environment is one in which it's hurting you on a daily basis you might have to grind every day just to get out of that yeah the difference is coach reed you you and i we have an audience that's not stuck in that position um you know we have an audience that has um has more of their needs met than people who might live you know in a third world country and don't have access to clean drinking water Um, you know, and, and have to provide like their, their next dollar is what's going to get them food on the table for their next, um, for their next meal or their child's next meal. So we're very fortunate to live in a society where our hard work and sacrifice can be balanced in a way that allows us to build our muscles, um, in a way where we can, again, not, not lose sight of our joy. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, what powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience
0: Oh wow, <laughs> that you never stop growing. That uh, I, where I am today at forty nine, I would have never guessed at sixteen when I started this coaching journey. And the one thing that I I figured out along the way is that as much as we think that we get to a point where we become an expert or we become a guru or we become good enough to be first team, that's when you need to pivot. You know, this New Zealand All Blacks, one of the greatest teams in the world in the in the in the history of recorded sports, as they always say, when you're at the top of your game, change your game. And that's the one big lesson that I've pulled from my experiences. There's always an opportunity to pivot, to, to, to change with the way the industry is changing, to change with how my life is changing and what I want. And to change with how my beliefs about how to get to my, you know, how to create my legacy moments are. And so I continue to pivot every chance I get. And if you're a visionary and you feel like you're really, you're in a really great spot. Remember one thing, there's always somebody that's gunning for first place. If you're in quote unquote in first place and two, you'll burn out if you don't shift gears every once in a while, the big dream is always there, but you may have to, you may have to change and change. Is, the only thing we can embrace. It's the only thing that we can, we can trust is change will always happen.
1: That's awesome. Okay. So, um, you mentioned these pivot points and, uh, I I've steered away from a quote that I used to be led by quite strongly and it was begin with the end in mind. Um, I don't mind it, but I've shifted it. Uh, We lead with begin with the vision and mind and that the reason why that's so important. um, And it's, it's, it's powerfully connected to the lesson you just talked about my end, right? Whatever I see as the end is limited by my vision right? So let's say I have a vision to get to the top of the hill, right? I get to the top of the hill. Well, what do I see on the other side, right? I might see a beach on one side. I might see mountains on the other, and I might see a desert, right? Off in the other direction. Now I get to decide where do I want to go from here, um, right? The, the pivot is designed to happen because you're constantly changing. You can't see beyond your own future, typically, not, not very far. So, um, you know, you're, you're pointing out what so many people don't, Uh, don't get to find out until they're 10, 20, 30 years into their equation. But if we can start looking at, okay, where does my vision take me to? Well, it takes me to here, then start asking other people who are there. What do you see beyond this point? Um, right. So how do you, how do you go about doing that? We talked about Brendan Burchard's upcoming event, for instance, sounds like you're going to be going to that. Um, who do you turn to, to elevate your vision as you, as you get ready to pivot?
0: I don't get stuck in the, I try not to get stuck in the echo chamber. So I I don't listen to just people who resonate with me. And I don't listen to people who are just in my industry or who I feel like have the same values. You've got to go outside. So when I worked with youth athletes or when I worked with, you know, I worked with Olympic governing bodies, I worked with, a little bit over half a dozen, maybe more of the U S Olympic teams in some capacity or another over the years. And one of the things that we always did, well, one of them is sailing and I'm not a sailor. So I would always, when I work with the sailing U S sailing, or like work with the intercollegiate sailing association. Now I always talk about, let's look at other sports. How are they doing it in other sports? You know, right now in intercollegiate sailing, we have, we have some things that we're, we're working with within our industry. And I said, you know, the same thing happened to soccer couple decades ago so let's look how they did it look look how and so we're pulling examples from others so that's one is get outside your echo chamber uh the other one is the interesting thing about mountain climbers is they get to the top of the mountain and they always see a taller mountain they always see something else they want to climb no mountain climber has ever gotten to the top of the mountain and gone well that's it i'm done (laughs) i did what i came to do and nobody again going back to simon sinek if you're playing the infinite game if it's for a legacy then their mountains are just they're, they're waypoints along the journey. They're never the end. And so I'm, I'm constantly retooling what that, like you said, vision looks like. Okay. So, people set goals and goals are self-esteem based. I'm going to sell this much this year. I'm going to make this much year. They usually have data behind them and they're, they're self-esteem based. But if you have intentions behind them, like I'm going to show up every day, I'm going to go to three events this year that make me better. I'm going to learn from a new industry. I'm going to learn a new skill. I'm going to hire a new coach who actually does X. Those are intentions and intentions are self-compassion based, right? If you're, if you've ever read Dr. Amy Saltzman's book, a still quiet place, she talks about self self-esteem versus self-compassion. Those are self-compassion things. Those aren't based on data. They're based on process. And as human beings, the most powerful thing we have is the story, right? So if you have an end game, if I have an end game and my end game is about data, it's about stale, sterile, uh, unimaginative, uh, un, unemotional information, then I'm going to burn out. But if my end game is a story, like you said, if it's a vision, this is what I want. This is what I see. This is what I, when I do visualization work with athletes and entrepreneurs, this is what I envision. I just did one with a, a group of um, entrepreneurs here in San Diego. We did a whole. Actually, I did it with an insurance company I'm working with too, where they they envisioned who they wanted to be in five years, and what it would feel like, and what it would. And I went through the whole thing as realistic as possible, so they could have the emotional anchors to it: the tastes, the smells, the sounds, the people beside them, how they felt, all of that involved in it. And I told them, I so said, "That's your anchor." And every time you feel like you're burned out, every time you feel like I'm near the end of my game, or I'll never make it to the end of my game. Stop looking at the data and start buying into the story. What was the story you had in your brain? What was the vision you had? That's what's going to drive you. Going to Brendan Bouchard for me, like I told you before the show started, I, I burned the boats like Cortez. The day that the offer came out, booked the hotel room, bought the flight before even thinking about it because it was like, it's like signing up for a, a marathon. I already signed up, I already paid, I might as well go. I'm going no matter what. I'm way out of my comfort zone going to something like that because it's thousands of people and I'm an introvert. Unless I'm on the stage, which I've done, I'm an introvert. But I know by going that I'm stretching my capabilities, getting out of my comfort zone, meeting amazing people like you and potentially growing not only my business, but as KHL taught me, as Jobby Hero Live taught me, I retooled. I got to gain a better understanding of my brand and who I am as a human being. And I, I'm so much more confident today, having had the conversations with you and the social society and Alex Ong and everybody else, I walked away from that event, event with so much clarity about who I am and what I bring to the world. And i have been doing so it for bad. 35 years, 35 years. And in a weekend, <laughs> I feel like my mind blew up. I, if I had not focused on the vision, if I'd been focused only on data, I wouldn't have gone to that event. Mm-hmm. And I would have focused mm-hmm. just on whatever sales I was trying to make or course I was trying to, make. instead, I went to that event because the vision carried me there. That's what you need to do.
1: And it's so cool. And- I, I got to meet you when you came to that identity conclusion. Um, I got to meet you as you were voicing that for probably one of the first times, you know, to a group of people and got to see like, wow, like here's somebody who I know has lived what you, I know you've lived that for 30 years. I know that because I can feel it in you. I can see it in you, but you hadn't quite seen it in yourself to that level. And that's what like struck me. I was like, wow, like, this is cool to be here for this because I know that your trajectory went from like, you know, moving forward two steps at a time, like to 20 mountains at a time because of your discovery. So, ah, I'm, I'm it was crazy. It was,
0: so what's funny is the joke amongst my kids' friends is that I work in the CIA because every time they try to explain <laughs> what it is I do for a living, I can't. And then when people ask me, I'm like, well, I do mental skills and I do this and I work with teams and I work with this and governing body. And it's, so it's like, yeah, right. He travels a lot and he can't really explain what he does. He's in the CIA. It's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Came home and I was I was telling my son, I was like, I finally can can vo- I can actually do an elevator pitch and it makes sense with somebody. And he's like, you're no longer in the CIA, dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's, and, and let's and hear the just, elevator pitch coach reed go ahead my friend let's put you on the spot
0: uh, on the spot okay so i just i just did it with somebody that didn't was like oh my gosh it's my first time i work with high performance athletes. Like these people that straddle the, the realms between sport competitive sport and and entrepreneurship or business and want to try to transfer the skills back and forth between the two and they don't want to let go of one for the other they don't want to sacrifice one for the other but they're almost lost in identity because they're not quite sure how to transfer those skills. I've done it for 35 years. I've helped people reach peak performance in sport and in business. I'm myself an entrepreneur coming from an entrepreneurial family. I've been a coach for 35 years. I've been an athlete for almost 43, 44 years. So I get where they're coming from. And if you've ever watched Ted Lasso, the joke is that's who I am. So that's who I work with. I work with these highly competitive human beings who want to who wanna slay on the in the bit in the boardroom as well as they did and on, on the field. And they want that coach Ted Lasso beside them the, every step of the way, stretching them, challenging them, but making them feel like they're on top of the world.
1: I love it. We had a tall building for that elevator, but it was great. It was great. <laughs> At any point have we had to cut off, you were in a great position to cut off. So I'm glad we extended that and ended up on the same floor. Um, so, <laughs> it was, was uh, fun. All right. So let's hear about this. And I'm going to ask you a fairly strange question. Um, and I'm going to precede it first in coaching. Right. In development of others, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of self-actualization. There's a lot of great things that we get out of it. Um, right. We, we are the benefactors of seeing people change their lives. But I want you to take it a step further for us if you can. Why is that important to you? When did you realize it? Where, where does this deep desire come from?
0: <sighs> I talked about it in my TEDx. I was working with that team in Florida and they'd they'd gotten a, they'd been played a rough hand. And they, they, this was a group of kids that they didn't even want me there. I can remember they'd been tremendously emotionally hurt by their previous coach who, who went to jail for some unsavory behavior, not with them, but with other people. But this was a coach that they were very attached to. They'd create strong relationships with this coach. They believed in him. And they were at that young age of like six, 15, 16, 17, where really impressionable and then their world falls apart. And so the organization that I was working for knew me as this turnaround. I hated being called, they always called me the bad news bears coach because they'd be like this team (laughs) needs your help, or this is a group of wayward kids, or these kids are lost. Can you take them? And that's what I do. I build people up. That's, that's who I am. That's how I, my coaches coached me. I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants doing the same thing. And so I said, I'll take them. And I remember that first practice, it was like a two or 300 yard walk from one end of the field complex to the other. And I'm walking with the captain and another kid. And they're, they're coaching me. The one's like, they're not going to want to talk to you coach. They really don't want you here. The mood is really this, but here, if you do this coach and if you say this and, and follow my lead and I'll support you coach, we'll, we'll, we'll turn them around that group of kids went from not even wanting me there, not even really wanting to listen to me, not even wanting to deal with me and their parents giving up on them, you know, saying don't enter them in this tournament because they're not going to win. They're going to get embarrassed and don't do this. Like everybody had given up on this group of kids because of what had happened, this trauma. That group went from that to all of us sitting in tears the last game I coached with them because I made bracelets for each of them that were my coach's prayer because I had a a pregame ritual that we did that my coach taught me and each bead represented a line in the prayer I give him all these bracelets and we're all crying and then I find out from a mom that one of the kids who was in a really dark place said I want to be a coach just like coach Reed because I don't know what he's got but I want it I want that feeling whatever whatever energy he's trapped you know acquired tapped into I want it that's why it's so important to me because every athlete I ever dealt with, I felt like had the opportunity to be an amazing human being beyond the game. And if I stripped away the game itself and realized that this was practice for how they would be in life, I could give them the opportunity to raise their own excellence and go on and be excellent in whatever it was they did. And it's the same thing with entrepreneurs and businesses and everybody else I work with. I'm one of my clients right now, a health insurance company, we were talking about fourth quarter, they're in it. And the problem is, is they've attached a lot of trauma to the fourth quarter. And we talked the last workshop we did, we talked about unpacking that trauma and making it something they have to train for and prepare for all year. And they're ready for it. the warrior mindset. They all got so excited. They want to do pep rally and they want to like wear uniform, like make it like make the fourth quarter legitimately yeah. a two minute drill for them. And that is unlocking somebody's excellence. That is treating people like everybody has a right to unlock their magnificence and share it with the world. And so many of us either hide it, we're never given the chance or people bury it on us. They bury us, they, they get rid of it. They, the way they treat us, they make us hide it. And I don't want that. That's why it's so important man. me because there is no better feeling in the world than watching the light bulb go off in a human being when they finally get something, when they finally accomplish something they never could have or more importantly, like you saw with me, when they suddenly have total clarity about what their magic is and how they can actually show it to the world. That's why it matters.
1: Wow. Well said, man. I'm going to let that resonate. While it does, um, you mentioned the coach's prayer. You mentioned that you got it from your coach. Is this something that we get to be blessed to have access to, or is this something that is part of the process of of working with you that gets unlocked?
0: (laughs) It is part of the process. Uh, you know, the challenge coin, I do that now. It is part of the process, but I can still share it. If I can remember, I mean, it's, ingrained. you don't have to do it
1: right now. We'll share it as we'll share it as something, maybe like an opt-in, um, yeah. you know, share it as something that yeah. people can get access to after this show. Um, we are down to the last few minutes. I don't want to rush through it. I want it to be something that people get to receive and appreciate. Uh, you know at the right time, my prayer it's been
0: passed down by generations to me. So I don't even know who the original author is, but
1: yes. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, cool. We will definitely look forward to that. Um, is there, is there any other, uh, elements coming up or any, any particular page that you'd like us to guide people to so they can connect with you further and and learn more about what you're doing, Coach Reed?
0: Just keep an eye on coachreed.com. That's the big one, uh, because I am revamping it to meet, to better meet what my mission is. And so there'll be some, there's some new courses coming out. I've got some new products coming out that are all about the Spartan brain and the warriors versus winners, warriors, not winners, and some of the other, uh, key pieces. So. Awesome, and I would
1: say, guys, don't don't hesitate to opt in now. We're talking about taking a math book that has proven that works really well and optimizing that to the next level of the math book. Um, So if you're in uh, anybody's programs like Coach Reed, like Kajabi, like what I'm doing, it doesn't matter what you're doing, too. You got to remember that you're getting people from point A to point B at all times. Um, You know, you're always constantly getting them to that new pivot point, that new vision. So if you uh, resonate with anything that Coach Reed said, make sure to follow him. You could probably reach out to him on LinkedIn, Instagram, yes. Facebook. Yes. We're connected on. You're better responding on Instagram than you are on LinkedIn. So am I. And, uh, and but no, much I'll reach out to him you on any platform uh, if, you, if you feel like you resonate with what he's up to. If you're in Austin um, you know, and you happen to be there during the time of Brendan Richard's event, what day is the event again?
0: uh, the 14th through 17th of September.
1: Yeah. 14th of 17th through September. Um, there's an event that he's going to be at in Austin, Texas. So don't hesitate to also reach out to him there. Um, and if there's any other way that we can, of course, help you vision pros, uh, leave a comment, um, in the comments and, uh, make sure to, to share this with your friends, coach, any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with anybody?
0: Last piece, uh, because language is a big deal, words matter to me. The last piece, and I've been saying it a lot lately, is when it comes to how we speak to people. If you uh, speak loudly, people will hear you. If you speak intelligently, people will listen. But if you speak lovingly, they'll follow you. So if you are a leader that wants to be transformational, start speaking from a place of love to the people you lead, and they will follow you everywhere you go, and it will be so much better experience for all of you.
1: I'm Ace Clappin in the background. Uh, Well, well earned. Love that very much. Uh, Thank you, man, for all the wisdom that you shared with us today. We look forward to having you back in the future, too, especially as you launch those new programs. We want to make sure that people get the chance to see it because you are constantly throwing out value and it has a lot to do with the love that resonates from you as you uh, as you talk to me and as you talk to our audience. So appreciate you, man.
0: Appreciate you, Jackson. Thank you so much.
1: Everybody have a great day. We'll see you later. Vision Pros. We'll see you soon. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. We optimize them as the months go by. This is going to get more and more fun. Um, we'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for, uh, for giving us your time and attention and have an